You're listening to Momentum, a show that helps men succeed in life. So low-level shame breeds, it seeps out in us. It causes men to be silent when they should speak up. It is so all-encompassing and so all-defining. It's like like tinnitus, you know, the ringing in our ears. Mm. We don't even notice it until it's silent. Now, here's your hosts, Tim and Dez. Well, welcome once again to Momentum all around Australia. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in. You are with Tim and Dez. And uh, Dez, how are you this week, my friend? You well? As always, I'm really good, ready for a really interesting subject today. Indeed, this is an interesting topic, kind of flowing off the back of last week. So if you missed last week, uh, check out the website after the show, of course, MomentumAustralia.org. And our special guest last week was uh, Richard Fay. We talked about depression. Today, we're broaching another similarly huge subject. One description is a feeling of embarrassment or humiliation that arises in relation to the perception of having done something dishonorable, immoral or improper that feeling is more commonly described as shame, and that's our topic today. Sometimes we uh, we feel at times, in particular, something us men, we can feel in uh, some areas we really struggle with behind closed doors and in our secret lives. So we want to lift the lid and open the door on shame this week with Richard Fay. Great to have you back, Richard. Lovely to be with you both. So let's start at the beginning. I mean, we're going to unpack this a fair bit. And, uh, you know, Brene Brown, for those of us who have you know, never heard of Brene Brown, she's key in this area of shame. Um, certainly get you to check out some of her stuff uh, after the show as well. But Richard, from your perspective, how do we describe shame? What's actually happening when we feel shame? Shame is a, an experience of overwhelming inadequacy and wrongness within us, as if we have done something to violate something fundamental to our identity. Mm. It actually acts in our bodies as if we were facing some severe physical danger. It is that paralyzing and and instantaneous and all-defining. It usually causes us to go to a freeze response. And then we can get flushed with red in the face. We want to get small. We want the ground to open up and swallow us. We want anything but to be where we are in that moment. It's a devastating and overwhelming feeling. Now, there are high-level shame and low-level shame, and the low-level shame we'll also I'd also like to talk about today, but that's, that's that immediate full frontal assault of shame. It's a devastation that as if we're actually facing something that's going to threaten our lives. So what's the difference, uh, Richard, between shame and guilt? Because I think a lot of men would say they're the same thing. Yeah, there's actually a fundamental and profound difference. Guilt is I have done something wrong and I know what it is and I can make amends and I must make amends and I will make amends because I've acted outside my own values. Yeah. Shame says I am something wrong. I have acted in a way that confirms I am a bad person. I am wrong. I am bad. I deserve punishment. I am uh, loathsome, disgusting. I can't let anyone see who I actually am because who I actually am will be rejected and judged as bad. Wow. Okay. So can I ask off the back of that then, Richard? I mean, this is great stuff, but um, can I ask then, uh, and I mentioned in the the description at the beginning, uh, the word embarrassment. 
So is shame different from embarrassment? Is it just a greater case of embarrassment? Is there a difference between the two? I'll tell you why they sometimes feel the same. For example, say suddenly, you know, you're a kid in class and the teacher says, Johnny up the back, you have done an outstanding job. I want you to stand in front of the whole class. The whole class is going to give you an applause because you've got 100 out of 100 in this maths test. And Johnny suddenly sheepishly ends up in front of the class, bright red in his face, terribly embarrassed. The spotlight's on him, but everyone's just affirming him. Hmm. Now, that's embarrassment, but it's not shame. Hmm. And why it can feel like shame, and listen, this is careful that you get this, our first identity and our primary identity is not individual. It is collective. In other words, I exist within community. In other words, my primary identity is to belong. And that mm. kid up the front of the class that everyone's clapping suddenly is separate from the tribe. He's exposed as other from the tribe. And as a child, he's feeling embarrassed because the spotlight and focus is on him. Much like a zebra doesn't want to be away from the herd because something terrible could happen, this child is really bewildered by being having the spotlight put on him. Now, shame is the same but devastating. It's like that, but the inverse of that. It's like the teacher dragging Johnny up to the front of the class and say, I'm going to let the whole class know how bad Johnny is and what, John, and what Johnny did. Hmm. The emotional feeling, the flushed face, the wanting to disappear, wishing they weren't there was the same, except it's now uh, devastation. Hmm. And it, it, it's actually a really constructive emotion. For example, if you're three years old and you're running off to running out towards a road and mum or dad says, you stop that right where you are right now. You will not run onto that road or else. And of course, the child doesn't understand anything except that parent knows if I can't stop the child right now, the child could get hit by a car. And so what the parent does is speak in such an abrupt and immediate manner that tells the child, if I do anything more, if I run onto this road, I am outside the tribe. I am acting in a way that violates my primary identity and my primary identity is to belong. So I freeze and it keeps me alive. Wow. So that's actually, you understand now, shame in that context is necessary. Shame is a, not necessarily a, a bad emotion. Shame is what keeps us all from being psychopaths because <laughs> psychopaths don't feel shame and sociopaths <laughs> yeah. don't feel shame because they don't feel this fear if I violate what the tribe's rules or what the the, the need to belong says, the, the psychopath and the, and the sociopath, they're complete individualists. They care mm. nothing for the tribe. Yeah. They care only for themselves. Mm. And, and it's so important because I would want to go now when we connect all this up, I say this to men so often, what is your primary identity? Yeah. I'll ask you two men. Either one of you can answer. What is your primary identity? Go ahead, Deb. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would say, you know, and it sounds uh, Christianese, but uh, I'm, a, I'm a child of God. You're a beloved son yeah. of God. Yeah. Why is that so important? Well, the first thing is, is you didn't construct it. It was gifted to you. Mm. And I don't care whether you're an atheist or, you know, a, a banner-waving follower of Jesus. 
you cannot create your own identity. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it's subjected to shame all the time because I've just proven that our primary identity is relational. Mm. Yes. And it therefore has to be gifted to us. Mm. So we need to know it's gifted to us. And therefore, and because I'm a beloved son of God, it's not something I constructed. It's something gifted to me and it's therefore unconditional. It's not based on my performance or my achievement. Uh, and of course, that's why guilt is it based on my performance or my achievement. I yes. can fix that because mm. under undergirding it is a sense of worth and value gifted to me. My identity is secure. That's so, so important, Richard. There's so many men in the world, uh, probably even Christian and non-Christian, who don't really have that sense of identity. They don't, that doesn't come to mind when they are feeling shame. And boy, if they did, they would act very differently, wouldn't they? They would. And, of course, now we then come to all the things that men carry internally. A Mm. man is strong, a man is powerful, a man provides, a man is all these things. I'll give you an example. Uh, A man has a wife who's loved by his wife. What if a man is single and never had known uh, a woman loving him? Well, I'm not enough. Yeah. And, And that man will carry shame. Because nobody in the tribe, other than mum and dad, who were kind of obligated to do it, has singled, <laughs> has singled him out and say, I choose you, I desire you, I want you. And so that man can carry shame. That's a key reason why it can happen. But a man, whenever he feels weak, whenever he feels afraid, whenever he feels unsure, because a man is certain, isn't he? Hmm. Whenever he feels like he hasn't got enough wealth or power or influence or whatever it is a man's supposed to have, he will express that with a whole lot of emotions. But underneath, way, 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 way underneath all of that is always fueling that emotion is shame. And and it comes across so many ways, you know, in terms of things you do do uh, that you feel shame for, things you don't do that you feel shame for, yes. Uh, external influences that you feel shame for. So there's so many components to shame. I'll, I'll give you another example. Um, Fred, my son, is playing footy, but he just missed that tackle, and I'm screaming at him from the sideline, you get on back on that field, you're going to work. And what is that father doing? He feels ashamed because yeah. his son isn't performing to, and what does that tell you about yes. that man? Yes. That man has got shame because yeah. he yeah. feels like a loser. He has to win all the time. Yeah. Otherwise, someone will find fault with him. Yeah. And. Guilt is not what he feels. Otherwise, he'd go, oh, you fell over. Don't worry. You can have another go. There's nothing wrong with that. Everyone fails. Failure is part of being human. Hmm. But shame says failure is you don't belong, you don't matter, you're not enough, you're excluded. Richard, I just want to go back a tick. I mean, there's so much we could unpack in this, and we will. We'll continue that part of the conversation. But I just want to jump back to one of the first things you said, and you said that there was a low-level shame and a high-level shame. Yes, So can you give us the distinction between the two? Yeah, the high-level shame is instantaneous, overwhelmingly flooded with a sense of paralysis. As I said, freeze. And what happens then is, for example, uh, someone confronts us aggressively and we fear, fear is our first response, and then we go into freeze state. Often because, like, say the boss goes, 
you haven't got this in time. I give you a deadline and you haven't met the deadline. And that employee freezes. And then he feels incompetent because he froze. His mind goes blank. He can't think straight. He thinks he goes, he drives home and goes, what an idiot I am. I'm so stupid. <laughs> I didn't give any explanation to the boss. I didn't stand up to him shouting at me. I don't even stand up for myself. I'm pathetic. You understand where, where shame can actually create more shame. So the immediate shame was the paralysis, the freeze, not feeling like he can actually challenge this situation. Hmm. Then the low-level shame is what happens later on, the internal self-talk, the feelings that I've stuffed up, the, 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 the sense of uh, judging and, and punishing yourself for not doing something in a situation when you know you could have or should have stepped up or spoken up. Right. So low-level shame breeds, it seeps out in us. Uh, it, it causes men to be silent when they should speak up. It causes men to shrink back when there are opportunities to stand up. It causes men to apologize. I'm sorry. Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm sorry. Appease mm. when they should challenge. It, it causes men to diminish themselves. That's the low level shame and it becomes background noise. And it's funny, you know, I have tried for 10 years as a therapist to get men to see if they could identify shame and they never can, never can. They wow. can identify almost every other emotion except shame because wow. it is so all-encompassing and so all-defining. It's like like tinnitus, you know, the ringing in our ears. Mm -hmm. We don't even notice it until it's silent. Mm. Yes. That's when shame will show up, when the wife's gone to bed and, and, and they're exhausted and they won't even go to their wife for intimacy because they're afraid their wife will be disappointed in them. So where do they go? Shame is now fueling so often porn. Yeah. Oh, so often porn. Do you know we think porn creates shame? No, 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 no. Shame creates porn. Yeah. Wow. Shame is hiding from our partners. And so we then go to some two-dimensional video or image. And then, of course, what it does is it reinforces the shame. Yeah. Wow. I mean, there's so much in this and we're only halfway through the show. So we're going to take a short break and uh, come back and uh, continue to talk about this topic of shame and Richard one thing you said there was guys really struggle with identifying this so let's get into that on the other side of this coin how can men listening perhaps identify that they might be feeling this and most importantly how do we combat these feelings as men you're listening to Momentum quick point to our website as we take a short break MomentumAustralia.org and we'll be back to continue this conversation with Richard Fay on shame right here on Momentum stay tuned you're listening to Momentum a show that helps men succeed in life. Find out more at MomentumAustralia.org. Well, welcome back to this week's show all around Australia. You are listening to Momentum and we really, really appreciate having you here. We also really appreciate having our special guest, Richard Fay, with us once again. MomentumAustralia.org, by the way, is our website and richardfay.com.au. Check out Richard's uh, website after the show. Hey, today we're unpacking this massive topic of shame. And, you know, Richard, in the first part of the show, you mentioned that one of the, the key things with men is that they really struggle to identify this particular emotion of shame. They're pretty good at identifying most others, but this one, for some reason, we struggle with. So just recap, perhaps, why that is, and then tell us how then, as men, do we start identifying that what we're feeling is actually shame and not another emotion? It's funny. Shame gets buried so deep inside us 
even more so with men than women, because it's a violation of what society tells us that a man should be strong, powerful, able to provide, always in control, always having an answer, being certain about everything. All of those things aren't what a man is, but that's what society tells us a man should always be. And so shame gets buried so deep. And because shame is so all consuming, it says, I am bad hmm. or I'm not good enough. Yeah. That's what shame says, at least at the felt level. And that's too devastating to access. So unconscious, it sits there in the unconscious. Our conscious awareness would never go near it. And so we would deny it. Oh, no, 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 I've got no shame. Well, isn't it funny? We even use the word, oh, you're shameless. Uh, that's mm. someone who's shameless acts shamefully. Isn't that weird? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's right there in the language. Yeah. Uh, shame is a very necessary, as I described earlier on, a necessary survival emotion. Sometimes I say to clients, just imagine you're little and mum and dad are fighting and then dad turns to you and says, get out of my sight. Well, what does that child feel? Shame. Uh, and what does shame tell them? To be small, to hide, to be invisible. What is mm -hmm. shame there for a piece of genius on behalf of that little boy? Because it says, I will keep you safe from harm. Mm. The cost is I will rob you of any worth or value. Mm. But why does it do that? You see, because the child then believes there's something wrong with me. Otherwise, mum and dad wouldn't fight. Yeah. Now, I'm just giving an example. Mm. If I have actually no power to fix it because I'm small and little and weak and young, then I've got to find whatever power I can get. And the most available power is to make myself bad rather than to say that teacher or that older sibling or that mum or dad are bad because I need them. They're obviously bigger and more powerful than me. So making myself bad means that if I could be better, if I could be, if I could do more, if I could achieve more with my power, if I could be stronger, then this wouldn't happen, which means I get agency. In other words, I get control over something really distressing. And if I can get control over something really distressing or believe I can, then I've got my power back yeah. mm. because it's all the only way in which I can because everyone needs agency and their environment may not be giving them agency. And so weirdly, shame gives a child, a boy, power. But the cost of that, of course, it doesn't. It's a perception of power. And that boy ends up going, well, I've got to earn more money because I haven't got enough, or I've got to get another degree because I haven't got enough. I know someone who got a PhD because a teacher said to them, you'll never amount to anything. Wow. And so wow. they ended up getting a PhD and realised shame had fueled their PhD hmm. wow. because they had to prove that teacher wrong because they thought it was true because the teacher said it when they were eight years old. Then they're now in their mid-40s with a PhD and they realise they put all this effort in because of shame, <laughs> isn't that? Wow. And they only knew at the moment they got their PhD. Wow. Yeah. I've got to be, get a bigger house. I've got to, whatever it is, I'm, and look at how men will compete and the competitiveness, the, the bodybuilder or the whatever, he's got to be stronger because he's weak. He, he's got to be buff because his body's pathetic. Just mm. listen how shame can create an endless cycle of achievement and performance 
And actually it's fueled out of a childhood that says you're not enough or there's something wrong with you just to survive. And it's the only way you could survive back then. Just as a side note, Richard, when you talked about shame fueling us taking back something, what about anger? Because a lot of guys will get angry to take back some degree of power or control. What's the difference there? So anger fueled by shame looks like, how dare you say that about me? Which means, oh dear, you t- just touched on something. <laughs> when I was younger, if people called called me skinny, I'd get very offended. And you have to know, when I finished high school, I weighed 58 kilos and I'm 187 centimetres tall. I was <laughs> And therefore there's a humiliation because I'm so thin that I'm not a man. Uh, and so there's, how dare you? How dare you call me skinny? I would react. There was anger fueled by shame based on how I perceived myself because of my form, my physical form, because of what I had imbibed through environment. Hmm. Just like a fat person who gets shamed and and they might get reactive. And, And, of course, kids can be brutal. And so anger gets expressed. When just watch how public figures sometimes react and you can notice when shame is fueling anger because it's volatile, it's eruptive. It's a how dare you like that. Hmm. Because actually what you're saying is you've touched on their shame. So what sort of things make us feel ashamed in general? What are the triggers? Well, apart from uh, the childhood trauma, which I talked about just then, it's any time we do something which violates a core value yeah. and we are insecure in our identity. Now, sometimes shame is absolutely necessary because while I have core values of generosity and faithfulness and honesty, I'll give you an example. I, I've had a tendency to um, exaggerate the truth because what is the old saying? Never let the truth get into get in the way of a good story. <laughs> so I'd be with some friends and we're out in a fire and I'd tell a story and I embellish it. And someone sitting in a circle would go, well, Richard, you just kind of exaggerated that, didn't you? And immediately I feel shame. Yeah. Hmm. Because I have just been found out saying something that is actually not the whole truth. But the whole truth was a boring story. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to have some fun. Yeah. You see, so what is shame telling me? I've broken a core value and that core value is honesty and honesty is about belonging in a Mm. community. Now, of course, it's not so much a white lie as, as, you know, kind of a ripping yarn if if you get where I'm going, but it tells me, Richard, there's your core value. Mm. At which point, if I'm very fragile and shame owns me, I can't, I can't admit that. I can't say, Thank you, Bob, for saying that. You're right. I, <laughs> I, I just, I just stretched the truth to breaking point, just so you'd all have a laugh at my, and I'd yeah. entertain you, and you'd all think I was funny. Thank <laughs> you for saying it. And if I could say that in front of a whole group, and they'd all go, "Wow, look at his transparency. Look at his vulnerability. He's a solid sense of self because he can be honest about who he is. That's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Isn't it weird if we actually acknowledge our shame?" vulnerably, you will never get, but around good people, you will never get judged. You will get honoured. Isn't that strange? Mm. But, of course, if I go, oh, no, no, I didn't, oh, you don't know the whole story. You know, I start covering it up. I I start 
Um, not, not only the, the stuff that happened that you've obviously forgotten or whatever it is, what am I doing? I'm reinforcing my shame mm. because I, shame says to hide and I'm hiding from myself now. I'm putting lies in front of lies yeah. so that I can hide I can hide my shame. So do we as Christian men, Richard, uh, do we struggle more with shame because we, you know, we think we should be better or we are better or because we've got a faith or because we believe in God? That uh, you know, we react more to shame than others may do. Uh, we we have their firstly higher values than some people might have. Mm. We state these values. Yeah, these values matter to us. Uh, we we want to honor God with our lives. So yeah. naturally, we have tuned up our conscience. Our yeah. conscience is, is alive. Mm-hmm. It's not something we're trying to dampen. So naturally, it could be more present. And therefore, we can tend to eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil more readily. In <laughs> yeah. other words, we fall back into law, not grace. Mm. And that's why Jesus reminds us it's truth that sets us free, yeah. uh, not the law, truth. And the truth is you are a beloved son of God no matter what you do. Why? Because Jesus models this. A voice comes from heaven saying before he's done anything, hasn't taught anything, he hasn't acted in any way, hasn't healed anybody. He's just showing up at his baptism and the voice calls from heaven, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. Identity is not something you achieve. It's gifted to you by a loving father. And Jesus models that and says, this is what you come back to. Hmm. This is where we must return to. Why grace is so essential for anyone who who is a follower of Jesus, because otherwise, as a follower of Jesus, you fall into the law, you become more shrill, more rigid, more reactionary, and actually more fueled by shame. Richard, you mentioned there about conscience, and particularly as Christian men, and you know um, we we've heard the term, and I think it's it's biblical about our conscience being seared. In other words, we repeat something often enough that we no longer feel that prick of guilt when we do something. And for men listening, it might be that they they can go, oh, yep, (laughs) there's something in my life that I've repeated for 20, 30 years now, and I no longer feel guilty about it. They may still feel shame, but they may no longer feel that prick of conscience or guilt. How do we start to reverse that process? (laughs) It's not easy. Uh, it takes a lot of honesty. You know, the AA process, I think it's the second step in the in the 12 rules, and that is to t- take a, an honest moral inventory of yourself, an honest and searching moral in- inventory of yourself. And can I say that is necessary for any man who wants to be serious about his life and his faith, to take, to take a searching, honest, and I'll just add one word, loving, or compassionate moral inventory of yourself. In other words, forgive yourself, but only after you can identify it. You can't forgive you. Oh, that's okay. That's not forgiveness. That's dismissal. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's going to that place, even in my memory, where I have done things and go, younger Richard, come here. I know the shame you feel. And I know you have betrayed your own core values. And sometimes it might even be what I did yesterday or last week or last month. If I don't do that, if I don't do that, then I become more rigid and I can't, I will see my conscience because I am afraid to explore it, be exposed. Talking to someone who you trust, and usually it's an elder, someone older than you, you know, usually possibly if you can find them a generation older than you and go, 
What was it James says? Confess your sins to one another that you might be healed. Oh, there is such healing in having our sins being heard and known and being gifted with that wonderful thing of forgiveness. Know your forgiveness. Know your belovedness in the place you fell down. Know God is actually there in you, in your failure, knowing that failure is part of what it means to be you and normal part of what it means to be you. This is a long journey. And uh, it's a scary thing to have a truly seared conscience because at that point, you don't even know what you don't know. Hmm. And you will, the, the others will know. And that's a scary thought. Uh, someone is a perpetual lie. Using that example earlier, other people will know. It's the boy who cried wolf. They say something, no one believes them. No one respects what they've got to say. See, there's an external sense of dismissal or shame of that person that that person themselves doesn't realise, except they notice that people don't trust them. So, Richard, on a final thought, you you mentioned there that this is a process and that requires men to get into a space, let's be honest, that is tricky for some men to to sit with, A, a really honest look at our lives and ourselves and some of the things that we do or perhaps don't do. I just want to encourage then, man, this is a kind of like a reverse psychology question, but if we don't do that, what are the long-term effects of holding shame in our bodies, searing our conscience, you know, having this internal kind of conflict with ourselves to go, I, I, I believe this, but I'm not doing this, or I'm, you know, I'm acting a, a way that isn't in, you know, it's, I mean, internal conflict. What's the long-term effects of that? Well, the first one is boldness. Sorry, I'm joking. (laughs) (laughs) Then we're all guilty. (laughs) (laughs) But but actually, quite seriously, it's not boldness, but it is all kinds of illness, sickness, uh, ageing, but also depression, anxiety, stress, uh, addiction, ways in which we medicate the feelings of not being enough of being bad or wrong, and we don't even know we're doing it. I talked about porn earlier. We end up going towards the very things that reinforce the shame to try and get rid of the shame, and and you can't do that because it just reinforces it. Uh, A lifetime of shame is a person, and you become more and more rigid. You become more and more black and white and argumentative. You become shrill. You you push people away. Uh, You become bitter and resentful towards life towards yourself, towards God. Oh, it's tragic. If you see your conscience, you actually sear off life getting in, mm-hmm. in all its beautiful and wonderful diversity. To have a supple soul is to allow yourself to be wounded, to feel failure, to weep over your own failures, your own shortcomings, to be honest and let the fresh air of, of new perspectives of other people's, to not be sure about things and to be able to go, well, I got that wrong. What a, and then that's often the first test of shame is to be able, like I said earlier, to be able to say as soon as you notice it, within a few minutes or seconds to go, I stuffed up, to go towards your partner and go, you need to know something I've been hiding from you for years. Believing, oh, that'll blow up the marriage will actually 
the marriage needs to either be blown up or healed, but it but it's toxic right now. It's cold and distant. And if you don't go to your spouse and tell them the, fit, the lie that you've been hiding for decades, you are writing your future in a terrible way. And the, the thing is, is the longer we hold on to that, the worse the shame gets. And the shame says, I can't tell now. Yeah. Hmm. And, and how freeing it is initially very painful, very painful. But the moment you break that open and allow that pain in and acknowledge that your shame shut you down and prevented you from saying it, now look what it does. It opens a whole your whole life up eventually once you get past the fear. That's powerful. Richard, can I just say as we wrap this up this week, um, when we thought about this subject and when we started the show half an hour ago thereabouts i i did not expect to go on the journey that we went on and there's been so much that you brought to our attention around this idea of shame and hopefully for the men listening as well that uh it's just brought a whole new perspective to this and guys listening can i encourage you to re-listen to this and last week's episode around depression because i think the two are kind of quite closely linked as well and you can do that at momentumaustralia.org and point you to richard's website too richardfay.com.au uh, richard fay has been our special guest over the last couple of weeks and richard man there's so much in the last couple of weeks we are in your debt as to what you've just signed into the men listening throughout momentum so thank you so much for being a part of it thank you guys it was a pleasure you've been listening to momentum a show that helps men succeed in life for more information or to hear this week's show again go to momentumaustralia.org You can also access a whole range of resources to help you on your journey and to get in touch with the team at MomentumAustralia.org. Until next time, keep moving forward with Momentum.